All right, welcome into another episode of the Outsider Sports Football Podcast. Ryan Balliott, Ben Mandel, Corey Jason, Dylan Mel. We got the full group in here today. Divisional round just wrapped up. We'll run through each game and give our thoughts on, especially the team eliminated, what is next for them? What does the future hold? And then at the end of the show, again, like we did last week, we'll keep the segment going. The Outsider Performances of the Week. We'll touch on, you know, shining a spotlight on the guys that aren't necessarily household names, but help their team in a big way and moving them on to the final four. So we'll start first game on Saturday, Kansas city chiefs over the Jacksonville Jaguars, 27 to 20. This was a game that we all took Kansas city in and it was closer. I think maybe than some of us even anticipated, but Patrick Mahomes suffers an injury mid game. That'll be something we watch over the course of the week, but Jacksonville, played a pretty good game. They kept it close and they have a bright future ahead of them. Yeah. I think Jacksonville, this is what I felt like was going to play out. If everything went right for Jacksonville, then they would keep the game close. And unlike a game we are going to talk about later where a team did not do everything that they needed to do in order to keep it competitive, you know, Jacksonville still though with, Patrick Mahomes being hurt and very limited, especially in that second half. The Jaguars were able to hang around and keep it close. Ultimately, the Chiefs defense and the pressure that Steve Spagnuolo, an experienced coordinator, was too much for a rookie quarterback. But for Jacksonville, this is a team that played very well. And yes, the future is bright. It was brought up on the show Saturday. Calvin Ridley comes back next year. There's a lot to look forward to for this Jacksonville Jaguars team, despite the loss. And Dylan said it, a competitive game with Kansas City is really a win in this season. Just getting to the divisional round. Obviously, you're here and you want to win. But now that it's settled, you can look back and say, you know what, this is a really good season. Yeah, I mean, it was a really good season for Jacksonville, but they're not quite there. Much like some other teams that we're going to talk about, the roster isn't quite ready to compete. It's not deep enough. They don't have the star power to compete with a team like the Chiefs. They'll be close, though. So another year of drafting, another year under Doug Peterson, who is a phenomenal head coach. Next year, two years from now, these Jaguars are going to be scary. They're going to be a team we talk about up there like the Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, where they're competing every year. And it seems like their division just is so far behind them right now that that Jacksonville is going to be a perennial contender in making the playoffs, whether it's as a four-seater higher year after year. It's exciting stuff down in Jacksonville. Yeah, you alluded to it. Unlike some of these other teams that got bounced this past weekend, Jacksonville's arrow is definitively pointing up. They got a lot of young guys. That happens. I mean, young, talented guys. That happens when you're picking first overall back-to-back years because that means your second, third-round picks are also expected to be higher talent than some other second and third-round picks later on. But you said it too. This is a weak division. The AFC South, I mean, Houston and Indianapolis, they got a lot to figure out between the two of them. And then you look at Tennessee, and their arrow is very much, I think, trending down. So this is a division that you're going to add Calvin Ridley to this offense. A lot of young talent across the board and another offseason yet still for these Jaguars. Yeah, I think that the Calvin Ridley addition for this team 
is going to do wonders. I think he is a true wide receiver one. Christian Kirk, while he was great this year, I think will excel much more in a slot role with Calvin Ridley really taking the team's cornerback one away from him. Trevor Lawrence, I said it last episode, I'll say it again. He's a top five quarterback in the league, in my opinion. And we alluded to it. It's a very winnable division for years to come for Jacksonville. I think that they may have a case to be a team that's in that conversation with the Kansas City, the Bills, the Bengals every year as the potential Super Bowl contender from the AFC. All right, we'll move on to game two on Saturday. This was the big one. This was our main event for us here at Outsider Sports, certainly. Did not quite live up to the hype that we tried to make for it. The Philadelphia Eagles steamrolled the New York Giants 38-7 to in a game that was only close during the first or second drive. But when you look at the Giants' season, I mean, they exceeded expectations and then some. I mean, this is a team that for how many years in a row was sitting at one point, like 2-7, and 2-7, and 3-6, and six, something like that. So for them to come in and get to the playoffs, to me, Brian Dable is coach of the year. I mean, the arrow, again, it's trending up for the Giants, but to me, not as much for Jacksonville because the Giants have some big question marks in their backfield with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and what they're going to do contract-wise with both of those guys. Yeah, I agree with a lot of your sentiment there about the Giants. And before we do talk about their future, I'd be reminisce if I didn't, you know, brag a little bit about what I said about this game. Rub it in, Dylan. There was no reason to believe that the Giants were going to make this more competitive than they had the first time these teams played. I said it, and I was right. The Eagles ran all over the Giants again, 250-plus rushing yards again. This was complete domination, and it was not close. Yeah, it, it was a tough game for the Giants, and while I still disagree that there was no reason to believe the Giants would make this more competitive because, again, they still did in Week 18 against the top players for Philadelphia. But I think it was very important to realize who was playing in that game Week 18 for the Giants. And another thing that I said uh, on the show Saturday, the hungrier team. Who's the hungrier team? And that's what it comes down to in the playoffs. And the the Eagles were the hungrier team by far. The Giants did not look hungry at all. I wouldn't say they looked intimidated, but they fell behind way too quickly. They're, te- they're a team that cannot play from that far behind. I think the Eagles came out. They stuck to their game plan. They had a really good one. And ultimately, it was something I thought was going to be the case with the Jacksonville game where I thought Jacksonville was just going to be too high coming off of that game against uh, the Chargers, that big comeback. They weren't going to be able to get back up. It's hard to get that high again when really it feels like your season has peaked. That's what the Giants game at Minnesota was. The Giants had peaked there and they just were out of gas for the season. Now the future is bright for this Giants team because you know that they're not planning on going into the season with 
their top receivers as Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, and Richie James. You have to think there's going to be improvements there. You make a couple more tweaks to the offensive line and get a few more playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, and all of a sudden, this is a really dangerous team that can compete with the Eagles. There are a few playmakers away from being a consistently competitive team and not just having to play a perfect game in order to be in a ball game like that with Philadelphia. I mean, I kind of agree, Ben. They are a couple playmakers away from being consistently competitive, but they were shown on the field against Philly. They are far, far away from being anywhere near a contender. The gap in talent all around was steep, and I know I said that the other day, but between depth and starters, it's a steep drop-off. A couple good drafts will be able to close that gap a little bit. Same with good free agent signings, but... We're going to be looking at a step back next year for the Giants, not that big leap that a lot of people are thinking right now. The Giants are following that Buffalo path to success, and the Giants under Shane are going to not sacrifice their rebuild for what could be a mirage of a quick fix that Gettleman always wanted. And don't get me wrong, last night's game was the ultimate picture of what Gettleman did to this team drafting flashy players, not drafting good players in the draft, handicapping the team where the Eagles don't have Bradbury if the Giants are in half-deep, decent cap space. The Giants literally had to cut James Bradbury in order to pay for their draft class. They couldn't afford to pay anybody without cutting Bradbury. So that's just another aspect of the Giants getting into a healthier cap space and getting back into into form for long-term success, not just a quick fix, you know, going into 2016 where the Giants signed all those receivers and players in order to get back to the playoffs, but it didn't have any substance. The Giants are going to take a step back next year, but it's going to propel them forward in the future, having a couple more drafts, years under Dayball, Shane, learning. And I don't know what they do with their free agents, their top guys, but the future is brighter than it was coming into the year yeah uh i had my moment bragging but on a serious note i think the giants are headed in a very positive direction like you guys said there was a lot of retooling and reworking to be done with the roster that they were given and they overachieved by a mile this year i believe vegas had their over unders win total at the start of the year at four and a half they doubled that and got a road playoff win against a three-seeded Minnesota. I think it's a successful season. I think they are a couple of playmakers away, especially at that wide receiver position, and there might be some stars available. I could see DeAndre Hopkins in a Giants jersey next season if the cards fall right. And we're going to talk about Please a team. <laughs> we're going to talk about another NFC East team later in Dallas, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants were the clear-cut two-seed in the NFC East next season. Yeah, one thing for sure works in the Giants' favor. It's the fact that the NFC East has not had back-to-back division champions since 2004. The Eagles took it this year, so the eyes are on the other three teams. Washington, remember, they were right there. Some would argue that Washington's maybe a quarterback away, maybe a Derek Carr away from stealing this division as well. So we'll move on then. Uh, First of the Sunday games, Cincinnati Bengals, they just dominated the Buffalo Bills 27 to 10. They had their number all day. And I'm going to pat myself on the back for this one. I was the only one. I was the outsider here picking the Bengals to win this game. The rest of you guys rolled with the Bills. So what happened? 
Well, what happened was Cincinnati really stepped up and played a whale of a game. And I I do think that those uh, AFC Championship neutral site tickets that all sold before uh, the game even was played really bothered the Bengals and Joe Burrow. And the fact that he said something about it really shows that it bothered them. Cincinnati was a motivated team and Buffalo, it, I, I just don't understand how they could look as flat as they did against Miami. Even like they came out and scored a few touchdowns early, but then looked flat and the, like that pop just wasn't there. And it just felt like almost that week 18 game or week 17 game rather for Buffalo was the peak of their season. When Naheem Hines returned that touchdown, that kick return for a touchdown, it just felt like that was the peak of where Buffalo was playing. And they just weren't the same team after that. I think Buffalo and fans all around the NFL really need to start having a pretty serious conversation about Josh Allen. Is he the guy? I saw an interesting comparison on Twitter earlier that Josh Allen is basically the new Phillip Rivers. Great in the regular season, gets into the playoffs, but can't win the big game. And that's something that's going to start following him around. This is the third time I've seen Stefan Diggs pretty much watch the other team's confetti come down. And I don't know if you guys saw after the game, Diggs blew up at Allen and like left the, the post-game locker room before reporters and had to get dragged back in. There's some issues going on in Buffalo. Allen had his worst year in terms of turnovers in a while. Now you could chalk that up to his offensive coordinator leaving, but Dorsey learned under Dayball. Allen was supposed to be that next great guy. What's the deal with that? Is Allen really that elite quarterback, or is he showing himself to be that slight tier below where he's regular season good, but can't get over that hump and win the big game? Because it seemed like, even last week, he didn't play great. This week, he was not good. He looked almost scared, looked confused. What's the deal with Buffalo? There, there's something going on there. Yeah, Corey, I couldn't agree with you more. I think there is a lot of turmoil going on in Buffalo right now. And I'm going to take some time here just to defend Stefan Diggs. He is a person who's always, you know, worn his emotion right on his sleeve. And was it a little unprofessional to leave? And sure. But his sentiment of being mad at Josh Allen is a correct one. Josh Allen, when he is pressured, his first instinct is to run. And his second instinct is to throw the ball to Gabe Davis. Stefan Diggs knows how talented he is. That's why he wanted out of Minnesota and wanted to prove he was a wide receiver one. And while the regular season stats are great, clearly that is not what Stefan Diggs plays for. And he is realizing quickly what you just said, that perhaps Josh Allen is not built for primetime. Now, I think that this Buffalo Bills offense has some clear flaws. They have no running game outside of Josh Allen, and that makes things very easy schematically for defenses in the postseason. Pressure Allen, collapse the pocket, and he'll run, and we can contain him there, or play back deep and let them run the clock to end the game. Yeah, I I do agree. Buffalo needs to start running the football. It doesn't make sense why they don't. Give me some design runs with Josh Allen, even if that needs to open things up. They have the talented back. Singletary, Cook, and Hines are good enough to run the football. Now you have some questions about Allen. The guy's talented. We've seen the talent. He is the guy. Now, I did also reference I would not have a defensive head coach in the NFL anymore. 
It is not a defensive league. It is an offensive league. You need an offensive head coach. Whether that means this turmoil needs to be solved with a new head coach, because you know what? Yeah, McDermott's been good, but maybe you just need something else at this point to get you over the hump, because you can only keep getting to this point so many times without getting past it. And that's what Buffalo really needs to look themselves in the mirror and figure out. Yeah, Corey, I loved your point about comparing Josh Allen to Phillip Rivers. Let me throw another comparison out. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, now he sort of did it backwards. He won his Super Bowl early on, and then it was routinely right in the mix again and again, divisional round, divisional round, conference round, conference, conference, divisional. And great in the regular season and gets bounced kind of unceremoniously. And I, I can see the same thing with Josh Allen. Maybe it's a Drew Brees situation too. The talent's undeniable. You know, I, I've been my sort of recurring hot take has been everyone wants to put Josh Allen up on this pedestal where he's above Mahomes or right there. It's like I I said he's definitively not the best quarterback in the league. There shouldn't be a debate. Maybe not even number two or three. But the talent's there. So eventually I think that talent will break through. And Dylan mentioned it earlier too with DeAndre Hopkins maybe being on the move. Could Diggs again find himself getting traded? So a lot to watch in Buffalo. I think some sort of big change will happen, whether it's with the coaching staff. Maybe they'll get a new just offensive coordinator because I don't know if I necessarily agree, Ben, with your take. I think a non-offensive-minded head coach can't succeed. I mean, John Harbaugh has been a – he was a special teams coordinator, and he's been one of the more steady and, and successful head coaches in the league for a while now. But sometimes it is just about if they have a really good offensive coordinator and just having that mind – in whatever role it might be in uh, on the staff. But let's go ahead to the last game. San Francisco holds on against Dallas 19 to 12. Brett Mayer made a couple kicks. Good for him. Wasn't enough. We anticipated this being a lower scoring game. I didn't think it would be this quite low scoring, only 19 to 12. So the big question with this one is what's next for Dallas and what's next for Dak? Yeah, I'll start us off here. I'm not surprised at all on the outcome of this game. And Dallas has to really look themselves in the mirror this offseason. But I do want to just, you know, pat myself on the back here. As soon as Tony Pollard went out with injury, this is what I tweeted. If Tony Pollard is seriously hurt, that's bad news for Dallas. They lose their running game and the offense becomes one-dimensional. 49ers pass rush will tee off. And for my money, that's exactly what I saw in the second half of this game. Dallas couldn't move the ball. Dak Prescott was pressured heavily, and he is a $40 million quarterback that is a mid-tier player. That is going to be the downfall of this team for as long as Dak Prescott is under contract. They have so much money tied up in a guy who is not worth it. He is not in the class of Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, yet he makes A-tier quarterback money. It is going to handicap their roster for as long as he is under contract. Let me read a couple names for you guys. Browns, Vikings, Texans, Dolphins, Washington, Cowboys. Those five teams that I named before the Cowboys are the only teams in the NFL that haven't made it to a conference championship since the last time the Cowboys made one in the 90s. Every other team, 26 other teams, have been able to make it to the conference championship since then. That blows my mind how how long it's been for you know America's team, the team that 
brags about having all those Super Bowls, they haven't made it past the division round in a long time. And Dylan, the point you brought up about Dak not being in that top tier, he's in that Kyler Murray tier to me. He's in that tier of quarterback that is good enough, will win you some regular season games, but they're really not that good. You need to surround them with weapons. You need to have a good offensive scheme. And even at that, they will lose you games. They are not a quarterback that can really elevate around them. Dak was a good story in 2016. Romo goes down. Fourth round, nobody from Ole Miss comes in. Or, uh, yeah, Ole Miss, I think it was, comes in, takes him to the playoffs, goes insane. But outside that one year, Dak's had injury issues, mediocrity. Dak was scared to run outside this playoff run. Other than Tampa and tonight, Dak didn't take off for first downs this year. Dak plays hesitant. He plays scared. And the fact that Ezekiel Elliott's last play as a Cowboy possibly was what we saw to end the game where he snapped the ball to Dak and got bulldozered, that's embarrassing. Now, I don't think Mike McCarthy gets fired since they won a game, which again, we should all be ecstatic about because as we saw at the end of the game, he's not smart. He's not a good head coach. He lucked out with the most talented quarterback in Green Bay and only was able to utilize him and get one Super Bowl. He's not good. Shanahan coached circles around him. The Cowboys are in for a lot of hurt, but, but, but they will not be a bad team next year. The Cowboys, for everything that they've done bad, they are good at drafting. They're good at supplementing their positions. And the Cowboys will always be competitive and make it to the playoffs consistently. So the Eagles are going to be good. We know Washington and the Giants are in the up and up, but the Cowboys aren't going anywhere. They'll be right there battling for the division no matter what. It's just that they probably won't have enough to make that jump into the next stratosphere of contender. Yeah, you know, Dak isn't Patrick Mahomes, and I think that's what Cowboys fans need to realize. Now, it was Mississippi State, Corey, not Ole Miss. Right state, wrong school, sue me. Yeah, well, I don't want to interrupt your role, though. You know, for for the Cowboys, their biggest issue will always be that they need to overcome their quarterback sometimes. And while Dak can go out there and win you a game, most of the time, especially when you're playing a big-time defense like San Francisco, you're going to need someone else to step up and make a play. And that's not the way this Cowboys team is built. This team is built for Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and Tony Pollard to be able to spearhead the offensive attack and get things rolling. And you know what? C.D. Lamb, talented guy, but if you can't get the ball to him, it doesn't matter. Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz, same thing. I mean, in the catch at the end of the game with Dalton Schultz, how do you not get your second foot in there? That's just I, – I don't understand, and that just shows what the Cowboys are under Mike McCarthy. Again, Giants fans, Eagles fans, Commanders fans, NFC East fans outside of Dallas rejoice that Mike McCarthy is the one running the show for that ridiculously talented – team in Dallas yeah Ben I think that that Dalton Schultz play is a great shout out because you can see on a play before that as well he didn't go forward out of bounds and he didn't even try to now whether that's lack of understanding the rule or just thinking the game was over and you are already out of it because Dak Prescott's your quarterback and Mike McCarthy is your head coach speaks to just a mental fatigue this team has under its current helm 
And I know we said that we don't think Mike McCarthy is getting fired. But again, it's something to celebrate because this team is just not mentally at the level of Super Bowl contenders like the 49ers under Shanahan, the Chiefs under Andy Reid. Mike McCarthy isn't even close. Yeah, big questions and big D to face this upcoming offseason. And that seems to be a recurring theme every offseason. But we'll wrap up here on today's show with the Outsider Performances of the Week. Uh, first, I want to mention an honorable mention to Chad Henney. Patrick Mahomes suffers that ankle injury during the game against the Jaguars. He's kind of in and out, a couple of plays here, a couple of plays there, but misses this drive. All Chad Henney does in the meantime is lead the Chiefs offense on a 98-yard touchdown drive. I think if that drive goes any other way, uh, a Jaguars upset is all of a sudden more realistic than maybe it was uh, prior to that. But again, outside of performances of the week, just shedding a spotlight on the unheralded guys of the NFL, not the household names, but the guys that have a big impact on the game and help their team win. Last week, we had Sam Hubbard of the Cincinnati Bengals on the defensive side of the ball, the fumble in the jungle, big touchdown. That sealed a win over the Ravens to move them on to this round. And Ben said it, I believe, earlier. The Bengals were just the tougher team. They were the more physical team. They were the better team in Buffalo today. So we actually have both the offensive and defensive sides of the Bengals getting a shout-out here tonight. The entire Bengals offensive line, we said it on Saturday's show, they were going to be without some key guys, and I said the Bengals found a lot of success last postseason with a less-than-average offensive line unit, and they made these upgrades, shifted some guys around, signed some free agents, and they were basically without those guys, so they're kind of right back to where they were a year ago, and they still found success. So shout-out to Jackson Carmen, Max Sharping, Hakeem Adeniji, Ted Karras, and Cordell Volson, the big maulers, the hog mollies, as Gettleman used to say up front for the Bengals on the defensive side of the ball. Just we're going to shed a light on the entire unit. I mean, the, the Bills really had two good drives all day. So Bengals defensive coordinator, potential head coaching candidate, although Ben won't let you hear that, Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator, has done a great job with an unheralded group of guys. Yeah, the Cincinnati defense really stepped up and we were very critical. Like while we did we have praised them in the past, we were very critical of what they were going to be able to do against an offense to the level of Buffalo and to hold them to what they did. I don't care what the weather was. Buffalo has shown all season long that they could score a will and then against the Cincinnati team they couldn't. Whale of a game from this Buffalo, uh, from the Cincinnati defense. The secondary was outstanding in, in conditions that, you know what, they played to. They played well into them, and they did a great job. We were very critical of that secondary, and they stepped up, and they made plays in some big spots. So hats off to that Cincinnati defense and their defensive coordinator, who really had that group ready to play. I know I said it before when we were talking and previewing this game. I didn't think that Cincinnati defense could stop a nosebleed. I thought Allen, Singletary, Hines, I thought Cook, everybody would just go nuts during this game and run, run, run. The Bengals held up. They stopped the Bills' pass rush from getting home. They stopped the Bills from doing really anything offensively. They exposed Josh Allen, and it was just impressive. Joe Burrow at the end of the game saying to process those refunds, and you know what? Maybe the NFL didn't get what the NFL NFL wanted. Joe Burrow stood in their way. He's that guy. I mean, he has done a phenomenal job coming back after a poor first year where he got hurt. 
he's really taking this team on his back. He he's in that top tier with Mahomes. I guess maybe Allen. We're not sure on him, but he is talented. He is he's a winner, and he's somebody I'm excited to see what the future holds for him. But his team around him really picked him up, really protected him, and stopped a high-powered, volatile offense from doing anything. Hats off to them. Yeah, I really want to, you know, show that love to the Bengals' offensive line. They played out of their mind, and I was in disbelief the entire time watching it. I told anybody and everybody who asked me, you know, what's going to be the key to this game? And I said, I think Buffalo's pass rush is just going to simply be too much for a bunch of backup offensive linemen. And boy, did they go out there and not just prove me, but everybody that doubted them wrong. They protected their quarterback, gave him enough time to make plays, and they really did an outstanding job, I think, run blocking. Joe Mixon was able to get through a ton of wide open holes today. And just big kudos to that offensive line for playing their hearts out and potentially winning this playoff game. Yeah, hats off to the Bengals. They did it again. They uh, will have a rematch of the AFC Championship game from a year ago. The Bengals will travel into Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs, and the San Francisco 49ers will travel to Philadelphia for the NFC Championship game. So tune in later this week. We'll go through a deep dive of each of those games and preview the conference championship round for the 2022 NFL season. All right, that'll do it for us tonight.